I'm sorry that I missed your party. I wish I had a better excuse, but I can't even lie, you got me. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about boys, boys, boys. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. Let's get ready to rumble. Welcome to Aya versus the Big Boys. Tonight's fight. The Exorcist. Hello, and welcome. My name is Gavin Cook, resident big boy. (gasps) Whoa, sorry. That was really Uh, really good. It was too good, frankly. Uh, What what happened? Anyway, sorry. Uh, Uh, Resident big boy uh, and ringleader for the matchup of the century. As you very much know, we are stuck in a global pandemic, all working from home. The side effect of that. There's a lot more free time for some of us to catch up on media of all shapes and sizes. We all have movies we know we should have seen by now, but just haven't. You know, call it the canon, call it the IMDb Top 250, or... Call them the big boys. The pinnacles of cinema, maybe the most explicitly patriarchal artistic medium of all time. Folks, it's time for a bro movie beatdown. Without any further ado, in today's episode and every episode, I am joined by the titular prize fighter herself, the exorcist herself, Aya Lehman. I'm the exorcist? You ready to exercise some demons? Um, My quote for the day is probably when the guy's like, you want to go see a film? <laughs> Is that the line? <laughs> yeah, a classic quote from The Exorcist. You want to go see a film? I thought that part was very sweet, uh, and I did not want to quote. I did not want to quote Reagan. I felt that would be um, inappropriate. Why inappropriate? You think of all the things we've said on this godforsaken show, <laughs> Reagan's where you cross the line. Yes, it is. It's it is exactly where okay. I cross the line. That's where I'm like I'm drawing. I draw a veil <laughs> over doing a Reagan impression there with a quote. <laughs> okay, so uh, know your mother sucks cocks in hell today. No! All right, I get it. I understand. It's fine. <laughs> Folks, uh, we are here to uh, celebrate spooky season with yet another spooky movie. Perhaps, I mean, today is a big one. Today is one of the big kahunas. Perhaps the biggest kahuna. We're talking about, quote unquote, the scariest movie ever made william friedkins 1973 the exorcist aya you finally watched this film you are a self-proclaimed scaredy cat i just want to jump right to it i don't even want to ask how you are i don't want to get to any of this small talk i am hanging in fuck all of that aya what did you think of the exorcist and is it the scariest movie ever made um, I'm afraid to say it because I know that once I say it out loud, I will have terrible dreams tonight and I will be um, terrorized by Reagan in my dreams. Um, but I found The Exorcist not very scary and I didn't love it. And that's my take. Oh my God. <laughs> you d- what? Wait. Elaborate, you fucking heathen. I don't know. I feel very bad. My mom got like mad at me when I told her that I didn't find The Exorcist very scary. She got upset. I'm getting mad at you. Um, I'm sorry. I mean, I did also watched it at the time of day so that I wouldn't be too scared. Like I did it on purpose. I watched it like at like noon. I was snuggled up in my bed. I was very stressed out because my kitten had just gone to the vet. And so I was like, she's going to die in her sleep. Um, so that was distracting me. I guess that's not really like prime time to be scared. But also we're just diving in. The thing about me is that um, I'm very easily distracted. I need to be really engaged constantly. Like I do have a short attention span, even for films. Like you got you to hold on to me. You got to keep me going. And The Exorcist is very slow when it's not about um, the child demon, you know? What, you weren't like rapturously entertained by the everyday acting job of this fucking yuppie th- 30s, 40s actress in an anti-protesting agitprop movie from the 70s no you weren't entertained by that very engaging not very engaged (laughs) by like a priest just kind of like vibing in dc are they in dc they are in dc but he's also in new york because that's where his sick mother lives right he's simply vibing for most of the film 
It's not a good vibe, but he's vibing. It's a very dismal vibe. It's a very sad, depressed, uh, what is the point of my past 40 years on this earth type of vibe. Yeah. Which I can feel. I understand that. I feel it. I feel it strongly, you know? Yeah. It it, it, it was really spooky and, and like disturbing for like most of the film. I'd, or not most, but like for those scenes with Reagan and like when you're like, oh, this child is like possessed by a demon. The devil. Not Sorry, not a demon. The devil. Um, but otherwise, I was just kind of like, oh, we're going to walk around a little bit more, huh? <laughs> we're going to question God a little more, huh? But that stuff doesn't scratch like you're... I mean, I get, you saying that makes me think of how you feel about The Matrix, where it's like, nope, I don't want to think about how this is a simulation. I don't want to think about how everything is hopeless. Uh, let me just... I, we're not doing that today. Is is The Exorcist possibly scratching that sort of itch for you? Because I think this is a very fatalist movie. It is very, there is good and there is bad in this world. And the good is very flawed and the bad is like a complete anomaly. Like you cannot defeat evil because it is so obscure and bizarre and vulgar in all of its actions that there's no clear way to win. Even though the ending of The Exorcist has a very dumb, weird way to beat evil but whatever is it tapping into that at all for you i mean the exorcist ending first of all to just go into that the exorcist ending is like literally jesus's story like you have to take on all the sins to be forgiven so he literally takes on the devil so that he can like save this child as jesus took on our sins in order to save us but overall i mean i guess yeah it really it got me when at the very end like when you know the priest is like truly like trying to save reagan and he's like i don't know the devil's so strong i guess that's that that really bummed me out (laughs) um no it was really disturbing to like to to watch that scene and because it was it wasn't even like the film's trying to tell you something you're literally just like oh the power of evil and the devil is like high key, very, very strong. Like, really, really strong. You gotta just, I don't know if this good stuff, this God stuff can save it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I love the pace of The Exorcist. I think the slowness really works in its advantage for me. Okay. Um, there's something about the slow transition from a pretty boring routine in your in your life where it's just you're walking to work you go do work you come back home you have a little dinner party and then you kind of just repeat it again the next day like it's the the life of a urban socialite is just like the drollest shit to me and to have that then roll into a very incremental rise in your daughter suddenly becoming uh, a, a self-mutilating, uh, vul- vulgarity-spewing, uh, just not herself, you know? Like, the one source of, of joy in your life. And, I like, I'm 24 year old, years old and a pet owner, but I just keep imagining, like, wow, what if my, like, little puppy Smith suddenly just, like, started vomiting on me and, like, fucking me in the mouth? Ooh. Like, that would be the worst possible thing that could ever happen because he is the joy of my life and that's sort of it, it the exorcist has this very like i don't want to say puritanical leaning but it is very much like the the little girl is the source of purity in this world and as soon as you start tampering with this source of of joy and happiness that is the lowest of the low and so you know it, it has some subtext to it that is well get into in terms of uh how conservative this movie kind of comes off uh not even now but then um but i do think regardless of that it's still very distressing you know i think there's there's an a commitment to the bit here that is hardcore as fuck uh i guess before we get further into this movie we're talking about william friedkin do you have any personal experience? Well, not personal, but like... My old family friend. <laughs> What's your track record with Hurricane Billy? Hurricane Billy. Let's uh, let's have a look-see, if you will. I don't think I have much. Um, 
I think I've seen The French Connection, lol. Uh, I feel like that's the kind of film that you you probably know if you've seen it. <laughs> Clearly not. Um, he takes oh. up he takes up uh, zero space in my mind, unfortunately. Billy Friedkin is a very particular and peculiar big boy director. Like he's one of those guys that's kind of on the, I want to say like Brian De Palma end of the spectrum where it's like he's definitely not like a tier like uh like oh i'm always talking about scorsese and pta and blah 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 um it's definitely like once you get kind of deeper into movies that's when you start realizing friedkin had heaters after heaters that are very hyper mask very it's tough to to nail his political leanings but they are definitely more uh libertarian than they are progressive and free okay uh, he's very much dealing with a man's world uh and an ugly world there is no freaking film that is like truly optimistic about the systems at play except for this one this one is the rare exception this is the one where uh it, it is maybe his most highly acclaimed film and yet it's m- the most like him and the most unlike him because there is such an insistence on the systems of power deemed as good in this case the catholic church being good and not quite questioning that that feels totally out of whack from what he would do in other films that are just like a very fincher-esque uh bleak worldview uh he's he's insane he's also like an asshole like a, a true piece of shit director uh the French Connection, there's that crazy car chase that you may or may not remember. I don't know. Uh, but no permits. Uh, he's driving around uh, real traffic in that scene, and they crash into a few cars. Those are just regular civilians. Uh, they paid off the damages later. Uh, in The Exorcist, there are multiple injuries on set because uh, Friedkin just wanted uh, a truer performance. And so there's that one scene where Reagan is sort of flopping up and down on the bed, uh, like rising up and down like a fucking Dracula or something. Uh, it is very jarring, uh, very alarming. She, uh, The actress Linda Blair is strapped up to sort of like a corset type of, of brace and uh, freaking like just fucking gives it to her. Calls, tells the stunt coordinator to just go for it and she like injures her ribs very very badly like the take that we see in the film that is linda blair actually screaming in pain. that oh is the God. take that they use and then another scene there's that uh, scene where the mother gets thrown against the wall and her head actually bangs against the wall because uh freaking went behind the actress's back and went to the stunt technician again and went give it to her and just fucking yanks the shit out of her and that's only like two of the sort of like I'm going to put my castmates, uh, my my cast on the line, so we can get the shot, yeah. so we can get the trauma. God. He liked to hit people. He'll shoot live guns on set to really rattle people's nerves. He's a lot. He's too much, I would say. So, with all that being said, and that was just kind of like fun background on this on this fucking Looney Tune man. Um, with this being his most establishment friendly film. Does that come through to you? And is that maybe one of the factors in 2020 that pulls you away from enjoying it? I see that it's conservative because it is like very religious. Like it is really like, yes, you know, we're like, it's, it's not, I don't know. I feel like most movies that have like fear leaning heavily on biblical stuff, religious stuff are like anti-religion. And this one's like, no, no, no. Religion's a good guy here. (laughs) The church, we're good. Yeah, it's always super sus when you uh, posit that the Catholic Church is like the oh, this is like the Avengers Bureau. Like all the priests are 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 mega lords in defeating demons. This is the best team that you can get. The best team you got is the Catholic. Fuck church. modern medicine. Get yourself a Catholic priest. Yeah, they're like okay, so like you know, shock therapy doesn't work. The lobotomy doesn't work. Like every like everything having to do with medicine itself doesn't work. And she's like, how dare you send me back to the psychiatrist? Uh, you can't turn to medicine. You can't take antidepressants. You just got to get exercised. I think another element of sort of the conservative leanings of The Exorcist is that this is a film that like when I was 14 or 15, I was trying to figure out like, 
okay. So, like, it's obviously a scary movie, but, like, I was very much in a, a mindset of, like, oh, this movie is actually about this. Uh, I was much more of a shithead than I am now, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> Shocking. I know, I know. <laughs> but, like, when I was 15, I was like, oh, this movie is about a girl going through puberty and how men find that scary. And I thought that was, like, a funny That's joke. That's funny. But now that, like... It's 10 years later, and I'm like, wait a minute. What if that's actually what this movie is afraid of? Like, what if this movie is about the threat of, like, coming of age in femininity? Because it is very much, like, the things that Reagan does that are, quote-unquote, evil. And, I mean, they are depicted to very evil extents. Uh, like, over the top so. But if you, like, boil it down and list it, it is, a like, a a blossoming sort of uh, acknowledgement of her sexuality, uh, coarse language. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of stuff that is just like literally just growing up. Like she's just kind of becoming an old man when she talks <laughs> to people. Of course, you do have the shit where it's like, oh, okay, and she's also stabbing herself uh, in the groin with a crucifix. Uh, oh, she's uh, turning her head around all the way, uh, cracking all of her bones. Oh, lacerating herself. She hates her That's mom. Great. And she hates her mom. And there we go. And now we're back full circle. <laughs> it's it's something that I thought of as a joke before, but now that I watch it, it it feels kind of pointed. I don't know. Am I is is this a thought that I should keep in my fifteen year old brain, or is this something that is worth chasing? You no, think? I think it's I think it's an interesting take. I I really enjoy it. Like I think it's it's definitely it makes sense. I mean, it's a struggle of like loss of innocence. Like you could definitely say that. I took it more like, but I don't think the film is like, I don't like knowing no more about Friedkin now. I don't think he's like educated enough to like recognize this, but like it does feel like, I mean, tr big trigger warning. It does feel like the allegory it's going for is like this girl was like assaulted and this is like her response. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. Could you elaborate on that? The night of the party is the night that like everything gets fucked up and like one yeah. of the guys from the party goes up into her room and is in there for like 20 minutes. And then he like is found dead because he's pushed out of her window. And so then she starts behaving like behaving like this. And that is a lot of times like all these things that are happening. A lot of times happen when you're a survivor of sexual sexual assault at a young age. Obviously not like spewing vomit and stuff like that, but it's just like, you know, speaking more crudely and being more like active like sometimes that does arise in like young assault victims i'm not a therapist i'm not like a psychiatrist like I, i'm not like a an establishment on this but i i found that very interesting where i was watching it and i was kind of like oh like that's very upsetting that's why that's why the film disturbed me more yeah it's very odd because that that uh uh character is the director of the film that ellen burston uh reagan's mom yeah uh, is acting in uh, and he's a very odd type like he's one of many characters in this film that you could easily cut out and nothing would change um, yet they are still in there uh, he's very loud and drunk at a party and uh, accuses another German man of, of being a, a Nazi runaway oh that's crazy uh, it is he has a very off energy to him and I think yeah that timeline of events is very bizarre especially when i i think him going up to the room and the party are separate occasions however they do come together when the police chief or the detective who whatever the fuck he is another character that i always forget is in this movie uh when he then insinuates what you're referring to when he's cross-examining ellen burston yeah. um yeah fuck wow that's i feel like that is such an upsetting read that it then files back to Friedkin intentionally wanting to do that. Yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I feel like it, it is one of those things that's like, oh, this is fucked up enough that the director of Cruising and Sorcerer and To Live and Die in L.A. would be like, yeah, this is, this is the barn burner that I kind of want to hint at. The power of The Exorcist is sort of how broad it is. Yeah. When you think of uh, of Reagan, it's not that like, oh, she has cuts on her face and she's getting discolored. It's like, oh no, this she's getting ta like tainted. Like it is just, it's good and evil. It's uh, uh, healthy and whatever the fuck this is. 
You know, it doesn't really deal in nuance very much, which is, you know. Oh, God, dude, you fucking broke my brain right now. (laughs) That is such a good read of this movie. Dude, that is such an. That's like a read of the movie that, like, I suddenly, like, it makes me want to watch it right now. Where I'm like, like, I can't even verbalize shit right now because everything I think I know about this movie just feels irrelevant. Wow. Wow. You thought you were going to break uh, me on this one. I broke you. Let's just end the episode. All right. I'm, I'm fucked. Uh, hottest of the flick. Fuck. Okay, well, here's what something that I wanted to talk about in this mo- about this movie in relation to right now. I think this is a film that I really loved. Okay. Uh, and I think I still love because it is uh, a cannonball. You know, this is a very, it has a very feral energy to it that I think Friedkin brings to a lot of his films. Um, and this is kind of one of the first emergences of it coming in at the ferocity that he's now at from every point moving onward. The Exorcist to me is a very special film, but I do find myself pushing it away given all of these factors that we've spoken about, about how this film inherently bakes into its viewer to trust the systems. And there's something about it. I mean, it's not just something about it. It's everything about it that uh, today especially... uh, just rubs me entirely the wrong way. I don't know I don't know what the other alternative is. Like it's like okay, just let this little demon girl just live, you know? Like I don't know if that's what I I'm thinking of. Can you see why my brain is kind of breaking right now? Like I'm we're in a moment right now. Yes. Where we need to dismantle everything. And yet this film is really good propaganda for upholding our oldest institutions. Yeah. Because you know what? If you have a little demon girl, how are you going to fix that? If the devil huh? is literally... Where are you going to go? The devil's literally in your child. Or you're just not going to exercise it? Are you going to feed that little motherfucker some, some chicken noodle soup? Is that what you're going to do? No, ma'am. No, you go to... You know what? Fuck it. I'll go to a priest. I will go see a priest. I will go to a priest. And I, I'm freaking out about a scenario that will literally never, ever happen. I am going apeshit over a crisis that no one has ever encountered. Okay, maybe and not. yet it is, question, like, I'm questioning my moral fabric. There are movies, that, there are, like, documentaries about real-life exorcisms. Uh, yeah, freaking directed one. And uh, it's it's all, these priests are goddamn grifters. Yeah. Just completely misdiagnosing what is often schizophrenia mm. uh, or other f- forms of sort of identity disorders uh, and asking exorbitant amounts of money in exchange for numerous exorcism sessions. Uh, it's it's gross. It's fucked. It's a bummer. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm deep in the weeds on this. Can you can you get me? I can know. Can you bring a machete in? I was about to say, and, and the existential dread is really uh, really dragging me down right now. But let's get let's talk about our moms. It, it's thick. Let's talk about our moms. I think this film is special. And what I think is very, like, when well, you said this is a special film, I think that you find something very technical special about it, something very, like, historical special about it. I find it very special because you mentioned the same thing that my mom has said that this is the scariest movie she's ever seen. We were on the phone after I watched it and she said, What'd you, what'd you think? What'd you think? And I was like, Oh, you know, it's very good. And then she was like, Well, what about the, and then she was like, I can't even say the name. It'll scare me too much. She won't say, the phrase the exorcist she's so scared and i've been hearing about this film since i so maybe it was overhyped for me i mean let's be frank my mother has literally been telling me since i was a child this is the scariest movie you're ever going to see in your entire life so to lay out some facts for the audience both of our moms correct me if i'm wrong mexican-american catholics you betcha (laughs) (laughs) uh so this really this movie struck a strikes a big chord, it a chord. with the Bible thumpers. Oh, big time, big time. <laughs> and I mentioned that to her. I was like, "Listen, like you guys were like very real. I mean, like also, my mom's probably seeing this literally like on a weekend off from Catholic school. You know, 
she's like in the theater with yeah. a bunch of her classmates all even maybe even after catholic school in their little uniforms like she's got an iv strapped into her arm of just pure catholicism like bible is going right up into that vein so I'm like, yeah, this is terrifying. Are you kidding me? Like a nightmare. It's so scary. Also like to see a young girl speak with such vulgarity on screen in like, when was this? 1970 something? 73. 70, in 73. Okay. So also this- let me mention my mom's 15 years old when this movie comes out, like 14 or 15. Like, yeah. She's the prime age to get fucking ruined. To get by wrecked it. by the exorcist. So I'm like, yeah, I get why you were terrified of this movie. Are you kidding me? That makes so much sense. Me, a 26-year-old woman who's like, I went to Episcopalian school. That's like the like the lowest branch of Christianity you get. I'm not really, I mean, it's, it's disturbed. <laughs> I was very disturbed by it. I was not very scared by it. I find those to be different. This will all depend on whether you give this film another chance and you watch it in a dark room without anything else to look at. Because I always, I, I did also kind of feel that this was, you know, it's a disturbing film, but it's not I, scariest. It's, there are some moments in here that definitely fucked me up. I think like Reagan sitting on the bed. Yeah. Uh, when Father Karras dies and she's just kind of like twiddling with her thumbs and she's out of her straps. That is so viscerally terrifying to me. And also just the fact of the matter, like, the, did you ever play the maze game growing Don't up? Don't talk to me about... Okay, see, that's the thing. And my friend... The scary maze my game? My friend did text me about... The, actually, she saw that I logged The Exorcist. She texted me like two seconds after I logged it and was like on Letterboxd and was like, okay, not to be a freak, but I did just see you watch The Exorcist. That's like my favorite movie. And she was like, do you remember the maze game? And a te- like, it's as if I rebroke a bone. I stepped on my... I'm Johnny Utah and I stepped on my knee funny and I'm on the ground... Internet jump scares really fuck me up. Those are really bad for me, for me personally. Internet jump scares were the meanest type of entertainment. Just that mid two thousands era of like Newgrounds games and just empty domain websites. It's just e bombs world. A, a big no go. Very cruel. Very, Very cruel. cruel. And the fact of the matter is that here's the thing. I play the scary maze game today. I'm still gonna get scared. Because that image of Reagan is fucking it's terrifying. scary. Yeah, that's really upsetting. The makeup job is like, it is the perfect mix of a familiar enough human and uh, a complete absolute monster that you like envision as like the creature in your closet or something. I'm realizing also uh, talking through this that I think the reason I'm so existentially destroyed uh, is that... I. This is a very similar mood uh, when we were talking about The Thing a couple months ago. Not only is this film kind of speaking to this moment, but these are also two films that uh, are very much about being able to recognize the past of someone in their new grotesque self. Like having both the past and new present combined in one image, that really fucks me up. I'm totally cool with like a complete transition. Yeah. Like a transformation is not very scary to me. When I catch you in the middle, I'm a little fucking, I got the heebie-jeebies. I think that might be the key to ruining my life. Uh, And it must be the key also to what ruined uh, our mother's lives when they saw this. Yes. I mean- if you look at 1973, if you look at one, what wins the Best Picture Oscar, it's fucking Paul Newman and Steve uh, uh, McQueen in, uh, uh, sorry, wait, no, Paul Newman and Robert Redford in The, the sting. sting. It's The Sting. The, the Sting, sting wins Best Picture this year. The Sting slams. Okay, I'll say it. The Sting fucks. Discussed on, but discussed by Maddie Stevens much... on the uh, I as Friends versus the Big Boys podcast. <laughs> there we go. But that's the thing. Like, The Sting is also very much like, oh, that is like a perfect dad movie. <laughs> You know, it is. It's a very it's a and she discussed that. She says it. It's a dad movie. TM. (laughs) There is a coziness to it that you associate with like, oh, that's an old movie. And then you realize this. The Exorcist comes out uh, alongside it and just completely wrecks your brain and makes you think of like how deeply shocking this was at the time. Like everything about the drop of this movie is 
insane to me. This comes out December 26th. It becomes a huge phenomenon because uh, Warner Brothers thought it was going to be a flop. So they went, okay, what if we just ramp up the marketing and we call it the scariest movie ever made? <laughs> what if we like bring a bunch of cameras to premieres? What if we tell people this is going to be uh, the biggest disturbing event of all time? Uh, there are trailers for this movie leading up to it that are very controversial. Uh, the trailers, uh, because they are... They had to be pulled from theaters because they were giving people seizures. Oh my god! Like it is this very stroby, black and white sort of like m- like flashing movement of just images from the movie. It doesn't tell you what this is about. It is like really intense. See, that's scarier to me than the entire film. It is. I will tell you right now. It absolutely is. I saw it. Uh, uh, there's a 35 millimeter print of the trailer that showed at the New Beverly <gasps> last year. <gasps> And it was one of the most intense viewing experiences I've ever had. Like, it is very much biologically affecting. And so when you have something like that, yeah, people are going to show up in fucking droves. And not only are they showing up in droves for, like, the shock element of this movie, but they're showing up in droves partly because this is a going... Like, this movie drops right around, like, the dead heat of the Watergate scandal. Like, this is a moment where people are completely down for what, what like what level of depravity do you have next for me? Give me something really fucked up. Cuz I'm seeing some fucked up shit right here. I want to see what you can do to me. Oh my uh, god. And not so like I think there's a mixture of, of that and then people coming back because they realize not only is it the scariest movie ever made, but at least good wins at the end of True. this. You know, I think there are two levels at play of why this movie succeeds. So goddamn much. I think also just a fun fact is, I mean, not fun fact, but just like, just like drawing on the fact that you said that it did come out the day after Christmas when everyone is tired of like the joyful, like jolly, like Christmas vibe. And back then it's still like a very religious holiday. So everyone's kind of like, all right, I've had enough church. I'm tired. Let's go see the, let's go see the McFreakin devil. <laughs> Yeah, like there's an element of like scandal here that is very enticing to an audience. And it's a tactic that still works in spades today. I know I would love to see some absolute filth right now. You know, when the marketplace is filled with like completely homogenized, all quadrant cinema, I would actually love an exorcist right about now. Something that is purely diabolical, something that is just very well made, but also tailor-made to assault every one of your senses. And then become a giant fucking hit, you know? Imagine if Hereditary dropped, like, tomorrow for the first time ever. I would be so happy. <laughs> oh, my God. I would be over the moon. If I watch Hereditary for the first time tomorrow, everything in my head would be fixed for about 20 You'd be, minutes. like, vibrating. You'd walk out and your whole body would be, like, you'd be, like, in a cartoon, the way that it's just, like, all the way around your body. <laughs> just, like, since we are on this topic of this movie being a big hit um you have brought up on this show before how you don't think high budget horror can work uh it's just not something that can really be pulled off well it seems like and i didn't quite expect you to not like the exorcist so maybe this talking point doesn't land with enough weight (laughs) that i thought it would but this film uh has an exorbitant budget uh, Billy Friedkin goes way over the top, overspends, overspends. This goes uh, 12 million deep in 73, which by today's standards is about a $74 million film. For context, The Conjuring 2 is a $40 million film. Oh my God. Does this at all change your perspective on the idea of big budget horror? I just did, I did just want to jump in really fast and say that it's still more 75 you said yeah, around there yeah it's still higher than 74 the, shock is so it is still very high budget i i'm shocked it's higher than the budget for what women want directed by nancy myers which has a cool <laughs> 65 million dollar budget in the year of our lord oh like God. 1999 movie comes out in 2000 so it's like 99 98 99 65 million dollars for what women want. I'm going to say it, man. Fuck it. I'm going to say it. 
I think she got too much money for all of her movies. I think she got the perfect amount. She's like building. How dare you? She's like building kitchens in in Glendale. She's like, oh, she's redefining what white women love for like the next twenty years. How dare you? She got the perfect amount of money. Okay, tell me about the extra anyway. fucking Chud. <laughs> Wait, Chud is a movie, right? Chud is a movie. Yeah, Cam- cannibal humanoid underground dwellers okay so just like a really weird quick aside i stayed at a airbnb in san clemente california with my parents this weekend exotic exotic very exotic very like white republican area like it's in it's orange county still correct yeah they had a copy of they had a copy of chud on the on the shelves what they had a co- i they had a dvd of i'm chud? like i'm like flipping through because they did have sweet november which is an iconic keanu film i'm like flipping through they got the departed they got Chud. Yeah. They had Sweet <laughs> November. I was like, there's really something for everyone in okay. here. <laughs> Thought it was really bizarre. Wow. It's like the fucking DVD collection of like the Little Miss Sunshine family. Yeah. Like- <laughs> you're just on a vacation like and you're like, you know, from Iowa and you're like, oh, let's go see the beach with your white husband who was like in the army and you pop on Chud. I just thought that was really funny. Anyways, let's talk budget. No, high budget horror. Um, wow, this continues to confirm my my point that it doesn't work. I it works really really well. Like I can see the budget on those jump freaking jump scares and like the visuals and stuff. But I'm like, where did this money go to? Locations? Ellen Burstyn? Where did that money go? Where did that money go? Because like <laughs> you're fu- you're finding like I think I think the money is going to the fact that you can like go through this film with like a fine tooth comb and really not find any uh technical deficiencies in it at True. all you know i think that that money is going into perfectionism it is and you know this is what i was kind of getting hung, hung up on in the beginning of the episode but i am really taken aback by how immaculately uh crafted this film is i think uh what you see as very slow, I find it to, uh, to be like a very steady building of dread that not my stomach in particular. It works on me real fucking well. Uh, and I think you don't get that unless you you don't have the freedom to shoot in Georgetown, to True. show the expanse of the city, to have like this wide roster of characters, even though a lot of them are unnecessary, to kind of show the fact that like the world is 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 big outside of the confines of this uh like townhouse there's a bigness and a grandness to the exorcist that then makes the more insular stuck in the house moments feel that much more claustrophobic very true and makes you feel like oh my god we cannot escape this little girl's bedroom this is the worst. And you know, it brings up like memories of hospice care. It brings up memories of seeing family members in, in hospital beds. Like it is all of those very real horror stories coming to life in uh, a very over uh, sensationalized, genrefied, often kind of conservative way. And that's kind of, that's fear tactic uh, 101. You know, that's how. Every sort of uh, right-wing base kind of gets you. They get to something that is very real and scary for you and then notches it up just a bit so that you have me, Kevin Cookman, worrying about an exorcism and uh, like a daughter that I don't have being possessed (laughs) by the devil. Suddenly, the exorcist makes me afraid of that, and I feel like a fucking dummy, but at the same time, I feel like it's a valid concern. I think so. I don't see. I think we should all be concerned about exorcisms. <laughs> Possession. <laughs> what scares you, Kevin? Let's talk <sighs> about fear. What's you are like? You are very overwhelmed by dread. Yes. Yes, I am. I mean, that sounds are very you like. Not? I feel like no. I mean, that's really weird. Because I feel like usually my answer would be like yes, like. I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious because I feel like all the films that we've talked about that really upset you, like really, really upset you were The Thing upsets you, Texas Chainsaw upsets you, this movie upsets you a lot. You were really disturbed by all of them. And scenes that I found f- almost comical in at least the last two, I'm kind of reading The Thing, 
I, I no, even the thing. I like loved the body horror. I was like, ooh, that's so fun. And you're like, that's terrifying. What is wrong with you? I think about in Texas Chainsaw, the dinner scene. I was like, that was hilarious. And you were like, are you kidding me? The dread is setting in so intensely. And then I think about this where like you you continually reference the scene where they come in and she's just like sitting there all prim and proper. And I'm like, I loved that shot. I thought that was hilarious. Not even hilarious. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, hmm, I don't know. I think it's really, I think it's a very interesting difference between the two of us and the way that we watch films. And I feel like your dread is so literal. Yeah. Maybe even the opposite. Maybe it's like very abstract. You have like a very abstract sense of dread. I mean, if I were to, if I were to try and, and verbalize what it might be, I think I very much value the ability to exit a situation. You know, like I am, I will not hesitate to like like if we were pre-pandemic and I'm having dinner with someone and they reveal themselves to be like a, a like a trumper chud I'm like oh okay I'm gonna walk out of the restaurant like I have no concerns with like that kind of social interaction I it, it's not that I'm like keen on confrontation but I am keen on uh, deleting myself from situations that I want no part of and these three films that you've brought up and that we've spoken about, these all like to hinge on the fact that they are presenting problems that you cannot evade. You can't get out of those. You know, Texas Chainsaw, you're in the middle. I mean, Texas Chainsaw might be the most upsetting of them all, where it's like you are stuck in the, in the middle of the desert of Texas. Like, if you escape from this group of psychopath cannibals, you're the next person you meet, likely not going to be much better. <laughs> Uh, the thing obviously uh, stuck in an Arctic base, and then this where it's just like, what are you gonna do? Like nuke your daughter? I know. She's like, oh, well, that did occur to me. Where I'm just sitting there. I'm guess like, we're just gonna turn in this I'm one. Like, how does she get out of? The, like, do you kill your child? You can't kill. You won't. You won't. That's have to the kill crazy your thing. Child. To me, yeah. yeah. I think the idea of being stuck in a situation, and having it go way past the point of no return and knowing that you can't leave then. You have to see it out to its end and then you have to then, like, even if you fix the dilemma, you are then faced with the trauma of what has just happened. Mm -hmm. Like, in The Exorcist, I think it has a very happy ending that is very bizarre to me because the only thing I can think about is the fact that, like, how does Ellen Burstyn, like, sleep another day like how does she she or or reagan live this is this is not something that you just like fix you know like even if you find a fix in these movies there's never like an eternal fix that i find very distressing because it's just like an, an eternal laceration and so that that does nothing for you chief <laughs> no i just find that very i don't know i mean what scares you aya Huh? Huh? Okay. Are, are you are are you the type that is like very much like a like a shock jock? Like the the jump scares are really what get me going because now I'm like, I, I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. Kind of I yes. Who are you? I think our I think that our fears are very opposite, and I think that I was right the second time. Your fears are very grounded, and my fears are more abstract. I feel. I think that in real life, if I, if I'm looking at real life. Obviously, my fears are more grounded. I'm very stressed out about, um, like, when you were talking about, you know, no-win scenarios like that, seeing things out to the end, I think about earthquakes and how earthquakes are like, I love living in California, my nightmare, you know, because it's like, okay, this is terrifying experience, but you have no idea what's going to happen, and you, but you have to keep going, you know? Those things scare me. In terms of film, though, I was trying to explain to my parents because my mom was so annoyed that I didn't, I wasn't terrified by this movie i think it's because i'm pretty good at separating like fiction that sounds so douchey where i like the more abstract abstract things scare me when i saw the shining the shining is one of the scariest films i've ever seen in my entire life the shining really really disturbed me and because and it's so weird but that one shot where she's like running around the hotel and she looks up 
She looks over and you see the guy in the dog costume who has been performing fellatio on another person. He like looks at her. That shot haunted me for weeks. I had to sleep with my bed. I had to sleep in my mom's bed for a week when I saw that movie. The the oh my scare God. in it, you know you know what's crazy about that though what what's crazy is that you were that affected by it. I have a T-shirt of that scene with like a heart drawn around the couple. Like that's what that scene does for See? me. I think it's a funny graphic. You see, you were the exact opposite. Don't ever wear that shirt around me. <laughs> and I think about like Mulholland Drive. Lynch really scares me. Like I think about Mulholland Drive, and I think about that fucking guy or like woman with the, the at the beginning when they're at the diner, and then she comes back later. I'm more terrified by things that are just presented to me with absolutely no context. I'm so, like those disturb me so much because I can't understand why I was shown this, and it is because I find it so confusing and and it's so disorienting. That's what really disturbs me. I do jump scares get me. I, I jump scares get me pretty freaking good. You know, we saw Susberry at the the original together, and I was. So, because that movie's very similar. I mean, Italian horror is like that, where it's just kind of like here's some images, and they're not going to, they're not going to look right on your screen, and that disturbs me. And yeah. Suspiria terrified me. I was so scared in that when we were seeing that. I was looking. Around, we were in the theater, and I was like looking around to make sure I wasn't going to get like attacked. That is so crazy. We literally are polar opposites because what you're describing, what I think in my head is like, hell yeah, this is metal as fuck. Like the Italian uh, horror films, you're right. They do that all the time. It's like there is no explanation for what you are seeing. Like Lucio Fulci will do this nonstop, but it's gory and it doesn't look quite human-like and there's really no explanation for why suddenly the basement of this house opens up a portal to hell, but it's going to unleash a bunch of different ghouls. Ghouls? Not the ghouls. I find that. Very, very cool. There's a shot in personally. There's a shot in Hausa, yeah. a film that I adore, where there's just like a mannequin that like swings in a doorway, and it scared me so bad. I had to watch it five times because I was like, that was the scariest thing I've ever seen. That movie is, I love that one though. But that one also plays into the same fears of just like giving you these disturbing, bizarre, random images where you're just like, why is this happening? This is. It's so crazy that we are like we are chemically wired literally on 180 degree differences you know like just come like this is blowing my mind yeah this is wild okay 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 the fact of the matter i guess is that you just kind of find the exorcist kind of boring that sounds so bad (laughs) but yeah but that's kind of it isn't it that's kind of it I kept moving my cursor to be like, oh, still got another hour. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, I, I brought up that, like, I think maybe this film will work on you more if you weren't watching it in the scenario that you did. But now that we've had a conversation about, like, what actually scares us, I mean, do you think that, like, the quote-unquote perfect conditions to watch The Exorcist would click for you? Do you think that would get you i think maybe the like the the way the images are so just like the disturbing images i believe of reagan would probably get to me a bit more like i'd i'd get home and be like ooh, maybe i'll sleep with the light on tonight you know um but i don't i don't know i don't i don't know i don't think so wow god i was i was like ready to come in here and be like oh man we both love this movie, but then we're both going to realize that it it's a Scarface type of situation where it actually has really heavy conservative mm-hmm. leanings. And now we both have to talk about, you know, how do we deal with this movie? But like you just came in here with the fucking sucker punch. You're like, oh, yeah, it was the scariest movie ever made is boring. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm KO'd. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Did I win this round? Did I win this one? Yeah, I'm. I mean, we haven't held up that gimmick in many episodes, but yeah, you won this fucking round. <laughs> wow. What's the scariest movie you've ever seen, Kevin? What movie scared you the most? 
The scariest movie I've ever seen, I think it's a uh, a Spanish found footage movie. I think found footage movies are very scary. The, the like the first person perspective is crazy, but it's called Don't um, scare me too. It's called Wreck. Don't scare me too because there's that level of like the scariest part about being in scary situations is that you do not have eyes like all around your head and so in a film that's being presented to you you're seeing what it wants you to see or not seeing what it doesn't want you to see when you're watching a found footage film you're only seeing what this person see oh terrifying terrifying continue yeah and i think that sensation is like there is no other film that better realizes it than this film wreck which is like brackets rec like it's shorthand for record oh um, and it, it takes pl- it takes place like in an apartment block. Um, it's this news reporter who's doing a, a story on a, a firehouse, and then in the middle of it, they get a call to uh, an apartment block. Uh, they drive on over, and then the apartment is then quarantined because there's this infectious virus going on. Uh, it's being spread inside, and it's it's kind of like a like it's 28 days later, but. In a very narrow, very like eight story tall building where no one's getting the right answers. If you go outside, you get shot. But if you stay inside, it's just like having feral hogs just like eat each other's guts. Like that is the Ah! energy of the movie. And it is so fucking intense. And it also kind of like The Exorcist. There's a twist in it that reveals a religious angle. That is very much like, what is happening? Like, it kind of makes sense, but then it doesn't. It's, um... Wreck is is still, I think, the scariest movie I've ever seen. It's It has that roller coaster element to it, while also hitting every one of my biggest doom and gloom senses. What about you? What's the scariest movie you've ever seen? You know what really scared me? This is a cop-out answer, because I have avoided scary films. Like, I... I Suspiria so really scared me. It Follows really freaked me out. Because I saw it in a theater and I was kind of by myself, like I was in a horror movie class, but I didn't really have any friends in the class. So I was like, basically, I mean, I was surrounded by people, but I was like, I wasn't like with my my friend being like, ah, I was really, I was literally like, but I was more like, that was more suspense. I like suspense. Like my whole body was like clenched. I literally had my feet on the chair and was just like, I think I'll, I was speaking. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, don't do it, don't do it. Um, but I think the scariest movie, the one that like really fucked me up and still fucks me up and I can't really talk about it too much, is the short film Lights Out. Yeah, that one is uh, very aggressive. That movie is really, <laughs> I can't talk about it. Like we need to move on. That movie scared me so bad. It's a short film okay. too. Disturbing. Okay. Did you see the feature length version at all? No. I imagine no. no. No, God, no, of course not. Put myself through that. Well, well. Here, here's the thing. I want to talk about the feature length version, like super quick. The trailer has this moment where, I, for some reason, the entire house is like UV blacklit, oh. and so they're just going down like a blacklit hall. Stop. And I was a sophomore in college, and the first thought I had was like, "What if like they were being chased by this ghost demon?" But, like, they turn on the UV lights and then they forget about the ghost demon because all of a sudden they see the walls are covered with cum. Ew. Like, what if, like, they just get so distracted? And so then in my screenwriting class, I was like, yeah, let me write this as a script. And so there's a 10-page script on my hard drive of a ghost story where they turn on, for some reason, the UV lights go on and the ghost is then like, wait, what the fuck? I didn't do this. <laughs> And so it then becomes like a mystery of who came on the walls Ew. where the ghost helps. Um, that's how I work through that type of fear. That's funny. I just keep the lights on all the time. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I, like, I like listen to podcasts until I literally am about to black out. And then I take my AirPods out for like the two minutes it takes to fall asleep and I'm, I'm out. Well, buddy, look, I I could keep steering this conversation on The Exorcist, but I'm just going to, and evidently so, as everyone has been forced to hear, uh, I will just drive myself into a pit. I will will just find myself so deep down and not be able to dig myself out. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to you. Is there anything about this 1973 scare epic that you want to touch on? Or, you know, is there anything that we've missed? No, I don't usually like Ellen Burstyn, um, but I liked her in this. Um, I'll say, I don't remember why. Oh, I was, because I was watching, you seen Draft Day? <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you? No, I have not seen oh, the Kevin no. Costner-led Draft Day. Draft Day. Um, 
she's really, really fucking annoying in draft day. And I was like, I don't like this lady. And I remember like looking her up and being like, I've seen her in something. I don't like her in that. And I was right. Um, but she was fun in The Exorcist. I thought she was really good. Um, I read more about um, Linda Blair, sad life. But at least she, now she's got her dogs. Just for my own personal uh, uh, tranquility, and so I can I can go to sleep tonight without ever thinking about it, is it that The Exorcist, do you not like it, or does it just not do anything for you? I didn't have strong enough opinion about it, you know? I don't think I ever really want to watch it again. Okay. Um. It just okay. didn't. It didn't do it for like it didn't do it for me, and I just don't. I I didn't. I wasn't very engaged. I find myself always very interested in looking up negative reviews for these big boys. Okay. Um, especially since you know, obviously the entire conceit of the show is that these are seminal classics. They're kind of films that don't really get discussed in that much of a critical way, as so much as they are just uh, appraised for their legacy after all this time. They're kind of immune from an actual active discourse. Um, that's sort of the narrative that we get about these movies, that they were always celebrated classics. Enter uh, legendary film critic Pauline Kael. Okay. Uh, who is a, a writer that... Do you have much experience with with uh, reading Pauline Kael at all? I don't think so. She's kind of... Uh, uh, I don't know what to, how to describe her. I vehemently disagree with almost every review she's ever posted. She comes from a place of like a very narrow-minded place, I think, for a lot of her dissections. However, she is such an entertaining and illuminating writer that even you will stick around for 2,500 words that you completely think are are wrong. (gasps) Like factually wrong. Wow. But you'll stick around because she's that motherfucker. Um, she was one of the few people to very much pan The Exorcist. And I kind of want to read a little bit of this review to you to see if maybe any of this hits home for you. Uh, I mean, one of her biggest quotes in this is that uh, The Exorcist is the biggest recruiting poster the Catholic Church has had since the sunnier days of Going My Way and the Bells of St. Mary's. Wow. Which, hey, she's uh, not wrong. But anyway, this is Pauline Kael on The Exorcist. Uh, As a movie, The Exorcist is too ugly a phenomenon to take lightly. Its gothic seriousness belongs to the class of those old Her Sunday supplement stories about archaeologists defiling tombs and the curses that befall them, and it soaks into people's lives. A critic can't fight it, because it functions below the conscious level. How does one exercise the effects of a movie like this? There is no way. The movie industry is such that men of no taste and no imagination can have an incalculable influence. Blatty and Friedkin can't muster up any feeling, even when Father Karras sacrifices himself, a modern Christ who dies to save mankind. We in the audience don't feel bad when the saintly Father Marin dies. We don't even feel a pang of sympathy when the words help me appear on Reagan's body. From the the mechanical scare way that the movie works on an audience, there is no indication that Blatty or Friedkin has any feeling for the little girl's helplessness or suffering, or her mother's, any feeling for God or terror of Satan. Surely it is the religious people who should be most offended by this movie. Others can laugh it off as garbage, but are American Catholics willing to see their faith turned into a horror show are they willing to accept anything just as long as their church comes out in a good light yes uh aren't those who accept this picture getting their heads screwed on backward somewhere in the publicity for the film there was an item about william friedkin's having looked at 500 little girls before he chose his reagan right and indeed linda blair is a sparkling snub-nosed happy-looking little girl who matches up perfectly with Ellen Burstyn. I wonder about those 499 mothers of the rejected little girls, or about the 199, if that's a more reasonable figure. They must have read the novel. They must have known what they were having their beautiful little daughters tested for. When they see The Exorcist and watch Linda Blair urinating on the fancy carpet and screaming and jabbing herself with the crucifix, are they envious? Do they feel that might have been my little Susie, famous forever? The New Yorker, January 7th, 1974. Pauline Kale. Wow. Any reaction to that? That's incredible. You're right, though. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. I don't, Do I agree with what she said? I don't know, but that was crazy. <laughs> 
she she lays down some very convincing points and like if I were to hate the movie, I think this would be my number one screed that I go to. I still love The Exorcist, and so I I do feel that William Peter Blatty and William Friedkin do tap into the fear of a mother trying to heal her daughter. I do feel that fear. Oh, of I do too. I do fear. Yeah, like I think all those things that she says are. Uh, benign in the film I think they're very much there in like 11 out of 10 full force oh yeah like it's very sad I feel like the movie didn't scare me as much because it just made me it it was so depressing like to see Ellen Burstyn like the way she's talking to the priest and just being like like she's so she's like you gotta help me and you're just like oh my god this woman is at the end of her rope like what's she gonna do live with the devil as her child for the rest of her life very depressing. Well, I, uh, I think this is maybe the uh, the most difficult uh, transition I'll ever have to make to this next segment. Oh no! I don't know. Don't do it. How this don't is gonna it. go? Don't do it. I don't know. Don't do it. What's gonna happen? I okay. Uh, I uh, who's the hottest of the flick? There we go. In Perfect. William Friedkin's. The Exorcist. Um, the hottest of the flick today is um, it's gonna be Ellen Burstyn's assistant. Ah! I was gonna say the exact same thing, exact same person. Why is she so? Why is she attractive? so hot? I don't know. I don't get it. But I was shocked. I was like, oh every my time god! She on screen, I was just like, hi. <laughs> She wears kind of like suit looks almost, I think, or like sweaters and slacks. Like she's always in like a slack. It's very hot. It's very hot to me. I was like, every time she was on screen, I was just kind of like, she's so hot. She's really, I I, I don't, it, it really got me. It got me good. <laughs> Maybe I was taken out of the film. I mean, it's, it's honestly kind of a miscast because like she also looks so comfortable in the home. Yeah. Which by the way. This home is decorated to the nines as if like generations of people have lived here and yet it's just like it's it's just Ellen Burstyn's living situation for this for this movie that she's acting in. I mean It's very weird. You know, some, I would be very uncomfortable if I was living in this house. Sometimes people people rent out their homes. I mean, no, most notably, uh Lady Sonia Morgan on the Real Housewives of New York City rents out her fully furnished okay. townhouse. And so that's why kind of literally that 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 move helped me understand the exorcist where I was like, okay, so she's just renting someone's house while they're like out of town. <laughs> they're like snowbirds and they go to Florida and she's like, oh, we'll rent the house. Oh, okay. So a LA kid here. So the only way that ever makes sense to me is like, oh, you, you're renting out someone's mansion to shoot porn in it. Yeah, obviously. Exactly. That's the only reason you would ever do that. But sometimes people okay. do it just well, for that makes more normal sense. reasons. Like exercising their daughter. <laughs> I think this assistant is sort of miscast because it's also like she's so comfortable in this house. She is. Uh, you know what? Sacrifice Reagan. F- take this assistant as your new daughter. Wow. Bold. New daughter sitting right there. She knows all of your books. She does all the books. She knows uh, you know, where all the secrets to your paperwork. Uh, she's got all your central info. What does Reagan have? A little a, a doe face? Little chunky monkey uh, cheeks? Little cheeks. Get her out of here. Let the... The devil could keep her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> thank you for listening to Aya vs. Living <laughs> Oh, my God. I'm going to fucking jump out of a window like Father Karras, baby. Oh. Um, please uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find me at Aya lhmn on twitter and instagram uh, and uh, you can find us both on merry-go-round magazine um please subscribe to the merry-go-round magazine uh patreon and tune into diamond the jukebox every friday night kevin where can they find you uh well you know uh they can find me uh over on merry-go-round magazine uh r- working on that film section like a goddamn hog mm-hmm. uh you can find me on twitter uh under my name kevin cookman if you uh, are so inclined to go there uh you know we're doing fun stuff on the site all the time if you're listening to this episode 
episode, we're in the middle of the Merry-Go-Round Massacre, uh, which is a sort of month-long series where we have a bunch of cool writers, myself and I included, dropping suggestions for all-nighter lineups for your horror movie needs, uh, all leading up to a special live stream on Halloween Day, uh, where we are going to go 12 hours of watching nonstop movies, just like our favorite theaters in LA do. Uh, This is a shout-out to all the theaters that can't do it, and so we're going to carry on in the tradition and do it from home. Hell yeah. Uh, fun stuff here in October. Uh, we have one movie left in our spooky, <gasps> oh spooky God. month, dude. Are you ready I'm for excited. this? I'm excited. I'm sad, though. I don't want it to be over. I love Spooktober. I know. I love scary movies so much. Oh, my God. This is a good time. Hey, Aya. I, oh. I got a blast. Oh. Uh, what? Excuse me? What? Uh... Yeah, all right. Uh, well, I don't know what happened, but we'll see you on the next one. Happy Halloween. Don't be mad. Don't be mad at me. No, 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 no. Tell me how you stop it. Even if I want it. Don't be mad. Don't be mad at me. No, 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 no. I miss what you were saying. I was miles away. Don't be mad. Don't be mad. Never got a choice. I was busy thinking about boys, boys, boys. I was busy dreaming about boys.